Castian Saya and the Jedi Master Madonan must face off in the fight for their very lives. Can they escape their pursuers? Better yet, if they do, where do they go from here? So you're just caring about speed? You're yeah. not trying to hide your tracks or anything? Speed. I'm hoping we had a decent enough lead that we can just rely on speed. As you are running, you are very aware of the force almost moving around you. Somebody is prodding the force, using it to track. It's the sort of tracking that it doesn't matter how crafty you are, how many fake-outs you make, how many times you turn different corners. Whoever is tracking you always knows where you are. We need to get out of here with speed, not cunning. I don't believe it matters. Uh, Just giving up right now? Would it not be better to face our fate on our own terms rather than wait to be hunted down like a dog? I have a ship. A bone. I'm trying to communicate with bone. You hear a couple of beeps, but they're extremely staticky. Uh, We need to get higher up or too far down below. Listen. We just need to make it to section 48C. If we make it to 48C, then we're, we can get a ship and get out of here. But we need to be quick. It doesn't matter if they find us eventually. By the time they find where we were, we will be off this damn planet. She digs in her heels. What are you like doing? Like physically. She's, she's not moving. What, what do you plan to do? Talk to them? It's an inquisitor. She tilts her head for a moment. It is an Inquisitor, but it is someone from whom you shall never outrun. And you can hear rapid footsteps approaching at this point. I growl. I take a step away from her as if I'm going to run it, then I just kind of throw my head back and let out a annoyed laugh. It's like, oh, fine, fine. Exactly where I wanted to be. Found and baiting a Jedi runaway, and I I gave her the lightsaber. You did. You did. At least turn on your lightsaber. I'm going to try to coerce her to do it. That's going to be a red and a purple. One success, one threat. She does ignite the lightsaber. I turn around and face wherever. So where are we right now? Like, where did we end up? We were running through some alleyways, cutting across streets, doing whatever we can. But where are we right now? You're in a narrow alleyway. Oh, okay. And I turn towards where I hear the footsteps. And turning the corner is High Inquisitor Tremaine. Castian. Hello, Tremaine. Last we spoke, you were sending me to die. And I see that you have chosen to defy that order. I am how you taught me, a survivor. That remains to be seen. How did you even follow us? You think that you are the only one clever enough to discover that shaft? It has been known to generations of people who have lived in that building. Tremaine, we're leaving. Don't make me fight you. We have the advantage. There's two of us, there's one of you. Two of you. Yes, of course. You did have a soft spot for the Athorian, did you not? She's a means to the end. She got me out of there. A means to the end. Did you hear that, Mudonan? She'd kind of been standing behind you. She steps outside. Antinous, it has been so long. Tremaine's lip curls... You two have history? Mudonin just nods. Tremaine says, You could say that. This traitor took me from my home and then abandoned me. It was not on purpose, Antinous. We had no way of knowing what was going to befall any of us during the war. I look towards Tremaine. You were a Jedi? You were... She was your mentor. Castian, kill her. If you kill this Jedi scum, all will be forgotten. This incident won't even make it upon your record. Clean up the trash that you dragged back and soiled the ISB with. Get rid of her. Prove your loyalty to me, and you can once again stand by my side. He turns towards Madonna, and that's a really good offer. If I must sacrifice to spare your life, it is worth it. My character pulls his head back as if smelling something disgusting or being slapped suddenly in the face. Then he turns back towards Tremaine. 
My parents sacrificed themselves for aliens. You're now an alien supposed to sacrifice herself for me. I never had a family after my parents. You lied. You lied. You said you called me son. You acted like we were going to be a happy family, but you lie and you test me. Well, guess what, Tremaine? I'm failing your little test again. And I'm charging. Let's roll vigilance. Two successes, one triumph, and two advantages. Yeah, Mudonin got one success, one triumph, and six advantages. She can go first if you'd like. I have never seen that many advantages. That's a lot. Wow. She's really good at this. So it is Mudonin's action, but she's going to hold her action. She would not act first in combat. I will go first, then. I'm going to charge him in attack. Go for it. Two purple and one setback die for his defense. Actually, I want to upgrade that. So it is now a red and a purple. I got two successes and one advantage. No crit. Nope, no crit. Yeah, yeah he, he, that red lowered his uh, what I rolled, so. All right, so that's going to be eight damage. So as you come at him, trim, you slice with your lightsaber, but he's able to parry a bit to reduce some of that damage. And does he have multiple opponents? Yes, he does. So he gets a blue dice on his attacks. He's not worried about Mudonin at the moment, actually. So he's just going to be focusing on you. Great. Until Mudonin steps into combat, it's he's just completely focused on you. Okay, cool, great. Okay. So you are, the, the, your blades are hissing against each other as the parry that he does isn't quite enough to push you away. So the two of your faces are inches apart, illuminated bright red by the red of your lightsabers as he just hisses in your face. You show no gratefulness. You don't understand the meaning of loyalty. What did you expect from a slave? And he is going to take the terrify action, which is just to try to scare you. And he rolled very well on it. Oh, God. So as the you know the blades are are hissing, and he drags his blade down yours so that the sparks are getting closer and closer to your faces. Again, he knows every little knife to twist with you. And so these sparks are getting closer and closer to your face. So you are both disoriented and staggered. Staggered means a staggered character cannot perform actions. A disoriented character adds a setback die to all checks that he makes. Wow. Okay. And he rolled really well. No, that's fine. He got a triumph. Oh, yeah. A triumph means you are also immobilized. So I'm I'm just terrified. Yeah. You are essentially frozen in terror and between staggered, disoriented, and immobilized. You can't do anything for the next round. I stumble back against the wall, just my face suddenly going more pale than it usually already is. And I'm guess I'm leaving myself open for all sorts of attacks now. I have I can't do anything. Tremaine has you up against the wall, and obviously your face is just a mask of terror as he has ignited something within you that's just shut you down. And Mudonin, who not only held her action, but then goes first at the top of the round, is not happy. As Tremaine has you pinned against the wall, you just hear the bellow. The bellow that you heard in the jungle, that jungle moon. I think we're both going to be hit with this, but awesome. It's not enough to hurt either of you. She... This is a warning bellow. It rattles the ground. Some rocks and debris fall around you. Nothing major, nothing that's going to hurt you. Mm. But Tremaine is definitely going to have a setback die on his next attack. Mudonin lets out the bellow, and she looks at Tremaine. Step away from the boy. And Tremaine looks at her, says, never. Which means Mudonin is going to try to bellow again. And she gets one success. So the second bellow is stronger, but still doesn't do a lot of damage. Uh, so take one strain. Because again, as you noted, this is not a targeted attack. Okay, go ahead. And so Tremaine is forced to step away a little bit. But this is now the, the new round, the one where you are unable to act. So Tremaine is going to get his bearings back a little bit and attempt to come back at you with his lightsaber. <laughs> And he gets two successes. No advantages. This is not a crit, but that is 
eight wounds from a lightsaber. But I can't, I can't parry. I don't you think. cannot parry. Oh, us. that's a good one. That's a good little show of force right there. But that searing pain of the lightsaber cutting through you is into your shoulder is enough to snap you back to it. So Mudonin gets to act, but then you will get to act. Cool. Mudonin is actually going to. She drops the lightsaber because, again, she's obviously very not into lethal weaponry. Mm-hmm. And she launches herself onto Tremaine's back, trying mm-hmm. to distract him. But it's enough. I, she's uh, She takes some strain from doing it, mm-hmm. but she is able to pull Tremaine away from you. So it is your action. And with that, I'm going to try to cut into Tremaine this time. And what am I rolling against? Uh, it's just average, so two purples plus a setback die for his armor. Four successes and a triumph. All right, that gives you a critical hit. 90. Compromised. It increases the difficulty of all skill checks by one until the end of the encounter. So he just took four plus, uh, he just got took... Oh, wait, but he's going to parry that, because that, that was going, how much damage was it going to? Ten. Ten? Yeah, that would, that would be uncomfortable. So he's only going to take seven. You have hurt the old man. But he still stands. Of course. He's and he, with this this growl of rage, he just shoulders Mudonin off of him, knocking the ill and injured Ithorian back into the dirt. And he takes a moment, rolls his shoulders, straightens his uniform a little bit, and just picks his lightsaber back up and glares at you. You were always a disappointment. I always thought... Your paintings were ugly. My character's not doing well at all, but he's trying to taunt. He's able to get in another hit. This is going to be just for seven damage. Uh, I'm going to parry that. Parry, sure. He still gets me. I'm still really low. So yeah, he slashes me. I'm able to parry a little bit, but it still nicks me across the chin. Mudonin's been been knocked to the ground, so she's not going to act yet. So So it's it's my turn. Yep. I'm going to take a wild swing towards the man. I am on my last line. Uh, three successes, two advantages. All right, he's going to keep parrying that away. I got a crit. You got a crit? Two advantages. Oh, all right, so give me another crit roll and add 10 to it. 49. It's 49 with the calculation. Okay. I calculated it. It's 49. Headringer, target increases difficulty of all intellect and cunning checks by one. So I slice at him and he parries, but I'm able to slam my forehead into his nose, something I learned from the ninth sister, and he stumbles back. I never should have rescued you from that pit. You should have lived out your days in a short, painful, obscure life. And he just lifts his lightsaber over his head, ready to just bring it down in a killing blow right in your stomach, just piercing through you. And what is your roll? Two successes and a triumph. Oh, no! I'm on my knees because I am on my last leg. And this lightsaber is coming down in a short, brutal stab. You're staring into Tremaine's eyes. You're you're going to look that man in the eye until you no longer can. But the burn of the lightsaber never comes. Instead, you hear another earth-shaking bellow. But not one of anger, not one of, of defense, one of pain. And you look and realize that Mudonin used the last of her strength to leap in front of Tremaine's lightsaber. No! No! And I'm, I'm, I'm leaping towards Tremaine to try to hit him. Here goes nothing. Ah! One success, four threats. <laughs> so your lightsaber, again, just does some practically just cosmetic damage you the your blade slices through some of the gears on his prosthetic arm the mm-hmm. the cyborg arm but it's not enough to to take him all the way down for my threats if it's okay i fall to my like my hands and knees so he has an advantage to hit me i guess and you see that there's just again you've seen so many emotions in Tremaine's face over the years that you've known him but this is this is bloodlust Again, this is someone that had that Jedi training, that had a bit of composure about him, that believed discretion is the better part of valor, and here he looks like a barbarian standing above the smoking corpse of the Athorian. And his wild eyes turn on you, and then you hear the sound of a blaster bolt. And Tremaine suddenly stiffens and falls forward 
inches from where you are kneeling. And behind him, as he falls, you see Adalric Cessius Brandle, fellow High Inquisitor. I climb to my feet, swaying a little bit. Then I lean against the wall as I'm bleeding several places. What? What are you waiting for? Go. Why are you saving me? Oh, oh, <laughs> how embarrassing. No, I'm not doing this for you. I don't care about what happens to you. I care about him. And he points at Tremaine. I nudge Tremaine with my boot to see if he groans, if he's dead or alive. <sighs> Look back towards Brandle. You want this to embarrass him. My escape. You certainly weren't the smartest of the Inquisitors, but even you can figure out what's going on here. I look towards the downed Athorian, then I immediately pick her up in my arms and just take a few steps back. I'd say thank you, but I suppose you don't need it. That's correct. Get on, get on. I'm sure you have many great adventures planned, if you have that kind of forethought. I take another step back, and then I run forward and kick Tremaine twice in the ribs. You hear the blaster charging again, and not on stun setting. I still have need of him. I nod. I'm running. I make it about two, three minutes before I finally stumble into a fungal patch, and I drop Madonin on the ground. I barely have enough energy to move, and I'm looking at her charred dead remains. You stupid creature. You could have just ran away. You should have just run away. And as you curse her out, calling her foolish, Mudonin's eyes flutter open. Very slightly, just barely slits. Castiel. You're alive? Just don't, don't... I don't know what to do. There is nothing more. That can be done. Uh, Castian swallows as he stops trying to put pressure on the wound. It is time for me to return to Mother Jungle. I look around at the mold and filth and moss around us. It's my fault that you're not in the jungle. You're surrounded by trash and brick. It was not entirely your choice. You were led away from your path. But I think you can find it now. I don't even know who I am. I was supposed to be a Jedi, and then I was supposed to be a slave, and then I was supposed to be an Imperial. I've never known what I'm supposed to be. Mudonin slowly reaches her hand for your face, and very weakly cups your cheek. You, Castian, are finally free. Go find your heart's path, and may the- And you see her eyes glaze over. Her hand falls away. I grab onto the hand as it falls away, and hold it, and I close my eyes. And then I look over, and there's uh, some weeds growing from, like, the cracks. It's like a Durasteel lily. And I reach out, and I pluck it, and I place it in her palm. May the force be with you, Modonin. And as you say that- she disappears, leaving only the ragged, filthy robes in your arms. My character has never seen that, and he's killed Jedi before. So he takes a startling step back, and then his head gets really queasy as he's just exhausted. At three points strain and two uh, wounds, yeah, he's exhausted. And then he's just running. Staggering. Staggering, mostly. It takes Castian a few hours of... Literally stealing his way to uh, the section that he brought up earlier where Bone was authorized to meet him. It is more of an industrial area. Uh, not a lot of people – it's not in use as much as it used to be. It used to be a Clone Wars facility where they would pump out weapons. And they still pump out weapons, but they've closed this area right here because this was mostly used for anti-droid weaponry. And there's not as many droids that need to be killed now that the war is over. And Castian stumbles towards the uh, abandoned landing bay where a familiar Imperial ship is resting. And he sees that the ramp is down and he stumbles towards it. Again, barely. Leaking in all places. And Bone is there to meet you. Good job, Bone. We have a very short time period before they start looking for us. Is everything ready in here? Did you transfer all the credits to the accounts I've... I 
in your programming. <whistles> Good boy. And I'm marching onto the ship. As you march, everything on your ship is in its place. Exactly as you left it. Exactly as you like it. Except the person slumped over in the corridor. Laris has been knocked out and has binders around her wrists. What is she doing here? She's not supposed to be part of this plan. Well, no, I didn't want you to kill her. I just, I didn't expect her to still be on the ship. Of course she was on the ship. Where does she else she'd go? Ah, I wake her up. Sir, I am concerned about Bone's protocols. I believe he has been sliced. Laris, there's been a situation. We're running away. Her eyes widen. Laris, they think we're part of the rebellion. From the data we took from the mining facility and we gave to the naval officer, apparently it is... It's so classified, they can't even confirm that we did that for them. They think we're rebels, and they're going to kill us. I will leave you here, and you can try to explain as much as you can, but you can run the probability in your head. What is the chances of them actually believing you enough to let you live? That you had no part in the theft of that, especially when they dig through everything and see that your data signature was used to erase some of the information in the mining facility. 9.72%. I'm actually going to untie her. I'm running. What's the chances of us surviving a hunt from the ISB? 27.2. That's better odds than what you would have just being here. I need a pilot. Yes, sir. It's Castian. Yes, Castian. Let's get the hell out of Imperial space. And that wraps season one of the Fandible Solo Shot. Woo! I'm so excited. I was afraid I was going to lose Laris. I was like, I liked Laris. I put a lot of work into creating all these characters. It's like, no, you can't lose Laris. I, would, I wanted to kill Tremaine. Screw that guy. I hate him. Good reveal, though. I liked all the reveals. And the fact that you brought back the ogre, like the guy who I saved from the ogre. Cause we, had, you, you, we had some good callbacks. You did. And because you kept saying, like, oh, he has kind of a scruffy shoulder. I was like, I don't care. Okay, cool. Um, let's get back to the part where you're about to kill me. So, no, that was much better than I thought. I thought it was going to, and you spend your days in a, in a, getting tortured until you're killed by the Darth Vader. <laughs> Like he would kill me now. Yeah. No, I loved it. I loved it. So I didn't use any force. You didn't use the force. Not at all. I just did a lot of lightsaber stuff. And you didn't use. You didn't make any choices that were truly terrible. Yeah, I didn't. So I guess roll your d10 and see how much light side points you get. Yeah, I, starting from zero. So you're automatically going to lose some corruption here. Uh, hot dang, people! Whoa, really? Did you get 10? I got 9. Very nice. People, I started this journey at like 29. 29. I got as low as I think 23 in the last two episodes with me freeing the slaves. Or something like that. Yeah. Last couple episodes, I've actually gained a couple with freeing the slaves and doing this. I'm up to 40. Dang. I got up to 40. So you are – so we certainly always envisioned this as a redemption story. And you were losing quite a bit of corruption there for a while. So I was like, I don't know how re- how redeemed we're going to get here. But up to 40 is very nice. Not bad. I mean, you don't start uh, – I won't be a light side. I can't start using light side again. It's like 70. 70. So it is – there is a climb. But no, I mean, you did a lot of good stuff. I mean, throwing the slaves my way and me freeing the slaves. It's like, I'm not going to kill slaves. My characters can't do that. Having – Tremaine, just be a dick. That was great. Uh, and, like, Madonan was good. I liked having that foil. She wasn't a Jedi, but she was definitely a light side. Though, it's interesting. So, she disappeared. She disappeared. You know that's not, like, a common... You know that's not yes. common, yes. Oh, cool. So, th- she she might have went and did some travels of her own after she left the Jedi Order. Yep. And- I figure, from from my understanding, certainly, usually, it's a Jedi thing, but really, it's... It, it's a force thing. It's, no, it, it's learning. you're right, actually. It's a force thing. So, and Jedi are generally the ones that are in tune enough and, you know, don't have so much corruption because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Anakin obviously became a force ghost, but that's because he really redeemed himself at the last minute. Palpatine, whenever he reached the bottom of that pit, Whoa. he didn't disappear. Right. Because he's just way too corrupt no, to no, become No, that, that's force. actually like, yeah. Uh, it's, it's like the gift of the wills or something like that. It's, I know in, uh, Clone Wars we see it a little bit, but people actually have to learn that technique to imbue yourself. And the, I don't think you do that with the dark side. You can do that with the light side. So, yeah, no, you don't need to be a Jedi 
you just need to be a light sider. And Madonan, at no point, I know she left the Jedi Order, but at no point did I ever say, like, well, she's a dark sider. No, no Madonin, she's a good guy. Yeah, Madonan honestly still she's definitely a light side force user. Mm-hmm. There is no gray for her. She definitely believes in doing good. She just doesn't think the Jedi are light enough, right. essentially. She's a gray Jedi, honestly. I mean, I know people say like, oh, so she can use dark side lights. No, a gray Jedi is, she is a light sider, but she doesn't believe in, she does not believe like the tenets completely of like, <laughs> she believes in like, you know, don't be a dick, be good. Emotions can be dangerous, but she believes also like, no, emotions can be beautiful probably, or the Jedi's teaching and isolation is not good. You need to be close. So no, she definitely reminds me of a gray Jedi, uh, where she just said like, yeah, all this, uh, I love what I love the gist of the Jedi, but all these rules that you have in place only hurt us. So no, she's I think she's the perfect example of being a great Jedi, um, and it completely makes sense out of anybody. Like it would it made sense to me when she disappeared. I didn't correct you saying like oh actually no Jedi's don't all die. It's like no she might have actually since she left the order she might have just left and looked for answers and found those wills uh, the gift of the wills and just learned that technique. But no, um, that also means occasionally she might show back up. You never know. Depends on if we do a season two. So listeners, if you want season two of the Fandible Solo Shot, comment below. All right, everybody. We have some questions that we promised that we would answer. So we're going to do that right now. Uh, Sorry, our audio equipment might be a little off. It's a lot of spring cleaning. So we are going back to an old microphone. So let's, uh, let's let's go, Angela. Let's do this. All right. So the first question is actually one that we've been asked a couple of times throughout the run of the solo shot. In this case, it was asked by Ranko, who I think is a new commenter to Fandible. If not, I apologize for forgetting you earlier, but if so, welcome to Fandible. Uh, Ranko asks, how much coordination and joint prep did you do together versus GM prep in both the world building and the general direction of the game and the character? I originally said I wanted to play a uh, Inquisitor. We thought it would it was an interesting choice. I have always liked the Inquisitor storylines, even from the uh, Legends, I guess it's called now. Uh, once was the Extended Universe. That was kind of like what I wanted. And with that, Angela started coming up with these great ideas. And I would throw in my opinion every once in a while. As kind of a follow-up question that Fairy's Tale asks specifically uh, for in terms of planning, did we copy Jesus from the long shot... Uh, because, of course, we infamously tease Jesus that he promised us a plan and then planning has happened a little more intermittently than uh, we were first promised. Or did we go in with a plan for the entire season? And I would say we went in imagining this was going to be a six-session season, which we kind of held to. Session four ended up being split into two parts. Yeah. Because that, yeah. it was like, oh, we got started late, so we're like, you know, we're just going to split this in half. So... Six and a half sessions is how we really ran it. And I knew from basically the first time we sat down how five of those sessions were going to go. You didn't know how they would go, but you knew what stories would be telling. Like yes. you we knew that um we knew the first one we were gonna run into Madonan, mm-hmm. the Athorian. The second one was you, introducing me back to the female. Uh, Kita and Nana, Nana. Niana. Niana, there it is. Um, I knew that we were going to uh, run into them, or you did. Mm-hmm. The third one was fi- the final confrontation, because that yes. was kind of, we had to split it up a little bit. Yeah, because I wanted our mid-season finale, essentially, to be you falling into that chasm. Right, so we had that idea. We knew Kido was most likely going to beat me, because he was such, he had like 300 more points starting yes. out, or something like that. I did okay against them, mm-hmm. though. Um, but so... Angela expected me to fall down that pit yes. or be defeated. Um, I think the only big surprise was probably the berserk freak out after the slave rebellion. Mm-hmm. But I even knew that the that near the end we were going to have a session that was in an old that was in a mine in some way. Mm-hmm. I wanted you to to confront that. So basically, when we sat down. The only episode that I didn't have plotted out was the fourth episode, which was when we went into the Coruscant Underworld. And that came to as 
you know, we'd had this big dramatic moment with Kida and with falling into the, the chasm. And then every once in a while in genres that don't really lend themselves to it necessarily, I decide, you know what, I want a good old-fashioned dungeon delve. So that mm-hmm. was the the genesis of the Coruscant Underworld episode. So I guess uh, one of the questions, going back to one of the questions was, how much input did I have going into it? Mm-hmm. I, I knew what we were facing usually, but she would usually keep a lot of the stuff. Like in the dungeon crawl, you kept a lot of the things hidden away. Yes. Like a lot of the monsters. I think you did say I'd be running into a force, some force people. Mm-hmm. Did not know they were going to be younglings, but that was cool. Let alone blood shaman. <laughs> blood shaman, exactly. Younglings. Uh, I mean, I always knew what I was going to face. When I walked into the mining facility, uh, out of character, my character already knew that this was a slave rebellion, the Trandoshans were trapped, and you could get them on his side. There, uh, He could probably get them to work for him if he you know, pass a few roles. Uh, I also knew that I could probably approach the rebels and, you know, be swayed by them. There's a lot of things that I could have done. It's just, we didn't expect me to kill all the transitions. <laughs> that was the one thing that really changed the last episode mm-hmm. where we, I know our original plan was to try to do a redemption arc and it was going to be more of uh, Castian's choice to leave. Um, not so much when I messed up that badly, Angela's like, no, it's more of a less you vanishing in the night and more of you running as blasters are firing. Yep. And I'll also say, Billy probably had more input into the plot than the average player does, but a good GM always goes to their players and say, what do you want to have happen to your character? What are the big stories from their past that you want to see highlighted? What are the themes you want to explore? And when you only have one player, well, that's what we're going to do. When you have a group that's mm. four or five players, you're balancing more needs. Yeah, and I so think, no one person has as much influence over the yeah. plot. And I think we have a question asking, like, how much influence did I have? Or we worked together on the flashbacks. Oh, actually, that is uh, that was, uh, another question from Ranko. Uh, how did you do the start of episode flashbacks? Did you freeform it, give it some give some hints, or were they scripted? And actually, this was also asked this weekend by Fandible Intern Tex, who you all will be learning more about in the uh, Savage Rifts game that David is working on. Yes, hint, 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 hint of what's to come. I kind of knew... Since I knew a lot of what the story was going to be about, I kind of told Angela a couple ideas of like, this is what we could do if this story is about me dealing with slavery, like going back to the mines, we should do something where it's probably the worst point of me dealing with being beaten as a slave. And Angela took that and made it her own. Uh, We also did that occasionally when uh, we were going to meet up with, I keep on forgetting her name. Nianna. Nianna. Angela wanted to go back to the last moment I had it from the end. That was your idea. But I, I was aware. So the flashbacks, we they weren't scripted. We didn't write them out. But we talked about, hey, this would be a cool idea. I think once or twice I would say, hey, this would be a cool idea. And Angela's like, no, I don't want that for this time. I think in the fourth episode or one of the episodes, I suggested we do a flashback about him and Tremaine having this father-son thing. And Angela said, no, I want to use that later. And we actually ended up using that for the sixth one, which I think was the better idea there. Because well, because I knew I, I knew that ni- there was a 99% chance that this season was going to end with Castian no longer being an Inquisitor. By hook or by crook, he was going to be gone. So I wanted to have the start of that session, I wanted the flashback to emphasize that the Empire was his family. Mm-hmm. And by leaving the Inquisitors, he was turning his back on his family. I would like to think they turned it back on me. Though <laughs> so I was getting there. Like, tomato, tomato. I mean, honestly, they made the right call in saying he was not a good... De- they, they were right to send him away to die. So, last question from Ranko kind of ties into this, asking how long were the sessions versus what ended up as a single episode? So, we did, as I said, six and a half sessions, and we ended up with 20 episodes. And that was kind of what we were aiming for from the beginning. We thought that actually we would be able to get four episodes per session, and we were going to have a 24-episode season, which is very in line with how TV works. But after it was pointed out, rightly so after our first couple of episodes that it took a little while to get to the action when we were cutting it up into fourths. So after the first session, our episodes became more like three episodes per session. Right. Casey, I think, was the one that said, I really enjoy this, but 
you know, 30, 30 minutes is great and all, but when it's just you guys talking and not nothing's really happening, it feels like it's a bottle episode, kind of. And I was like, okay, that's fair. So what we t- decided to do is, instead of looking at it time-wise, we started saying, okay, what's a good part? If this was a cliffhanging series, like what would be a good cliffhanger or a good time to stop? Um, and we tried to do that a little bit better. So I know in the little, like in the beginning, we were a little slower, but I think we got better at the end of it. Lessons for season two. Yes. Modrigan, our friend from the Cult of Tea and Dice podcast, asks, uh, I'd like to ask how you are doing all the sound effects and so on, and why you decided on that as a thing in the solo shot. Having done sound effects myself, they take a ton of work. Oh, yes, they do. So much more work than we anticipated when we started this. We do a lot of editing and work with the solo shot. You know, Jesus has to edit the long shot. He has to edit everything that we've done. So we figured if we were just editing one thing, we could really focus on that. So so the solo shot takes me about, and this is just like a 30 to 50 minute episode, takes me about three days of just slowly cutting through it, getting rid of the pauses, getting rid of the ums. Not perfect. Some of them have to stay because it's like if I cut that out, it's just bad. Um, but... The sound effects started because we wanted our, the R2 unit to yep. have some adorable yep. Bone, bone needed to have dialogue. And then we just said, like, wouldn't it be great if we added, like, a lightsaber or blaster bolts? And then we just started having fun with it. Um, I think in Season 2 we're going to really start playing with a lot more background music. I know I played around with it a little bit this time, what to not great success. I think it was okay. I, the only thing we're just worried about is we don't want the the sound effects to get in the way. We want people to have fun and enjoy them, but we don't want them to be annoying. So I hope we were able to do that. Again, this is us for the first time trying something new, but that's kind of like what the solo shot was. A a place to try something new. When we were brainstorming the solo shot, really we thought of this almost as more of a radio drama. I know this is how a lot of people pitch actual play podcasts in general. And... I wanted to really play that up for the solo shot because again, it's just the two of us driving everything. So it was adding in effects on voices because there's just me doing so many voices and there, I only have so much range. So Mudonin, the, the Athorian, who's our really only super alien character, gets all kinds of voice modulation done on her. Yeah, her, her voice kind of evolved. <laughs> I think I changed it from like just an echo to deeply echoey and everything. Yeah, you changed the pitch. When I, I edited the... Uh, uh, I edited the first session and I added different effects where I didn't change the modulation yeah. too much. The one thing we, we we have learned is to really try to avoid stormtroopers because it's really hard to make a stormtrooper sound like good. Oh, yeah. I went out of my way in the Coruscant Underworld to be like, these stormtroopers don't talk. Yeah. Like I even tried using stormtroopers when Cassian was dressed up like one and it just sounded bad. I'm like, nope. All right, next question comes from McCarricks, who is a new Patreon backer. Thank you so much for uh, for backing us on Patreon. We really appreciate everybody that donates on there. Uh, you can find us at patreon.com slash fandable. There's your commercial break for this episode. What sorts of source material have you found for running a game based around an Imperial agent? Any specific source books or other media that you would recommend? Yes, it's an old book I would recommend. It's the Star Wars role-playing game. It's called the Dark Side Source Book. It's by Bill... I'm going to say Bill Slavacek and J.D. Weicker. Yes, it's, like I said, it's an old book. It's, it's the D20 system. Yeah. So it's not any of the new Fantasy Flight, but they have a lot of great Legends material on there, especially how to play an Inquisitor. Um, so that's where we used a lot of our material from. And then just Wikipedia. Honestly, Wikipedia has a great amount of information that we were able to use. Some of it's Legends, some of it's Canon. I prefer Legends over Canon. Mm-hmm. Or... I consider Legends a lot of canon, so. So I relied super heavily on Wikipedia because, as listeners of Fandible know, Billy is the Star Wars expert. So first of all, I laid down a rule very early on. Billy was not allowed to lore-splain to me. Oh, you let me lore-splain a little bit. Well, because it's cute and it turns me on. But you weren't allowed to argue with me. Oh, yes, yes. You know, if I said something, it's like, you, you uh, occasionally you asked. They're just like, is that a thing? And I'd say, yes, it is. And we would move on. Because that was the rule after. Because I did not want to like overstep my bounds. But I think after the first episode, I was like, did you know stormtroopers and naval officers were different? And you're like, you should have told me. 
I'm like, I didn't want to do that. And you're like, you can ask. You just yeah. don't don't argue when I said I made my choice. And I, and I don't think we ever argued about that. Mm-hmm. I think I asked like one or two questions. Yeah, you definitely were curious about the force objects that Nienna had. Right. So Nienna is a reminder back in our second session, she had these artifacts that she had scavenged, bartered for, stole, and they were each imbued with a force power. And I found that browsing through Wikipedia, I think I was like on the force section and just clicking through the different links, you know, how you can end up in a, a Wikipedia hole or a Wikipedia hole in this case. And it's 100% canon. There's no hole. <laughs> it's uh, 100% canon, at least in new, you know, in the new canon that objects can ha- have the force and sometimes it can grant them a force power, which actually there is rules for that in the the Force and Destiny book. Or my favorite was the the tankard that gave you the hallucinogenic flashback to the alien party. Yes. But do you remember which aliens they were? I think they were the... Oh God, I'm, they had a really weird name. They had so. a weird name, but they are a legend group. They're like the Salamander Time Force people, Aing Singles, something like that. I can't remember the name, but no, that was a really cool reference because uh, you were saying, is there any weird alien force people? And I read, I was like, yes, there's these evil ones and there's these ones that kind of, you know, no one really kind of hide off and don't really want to get interact with people. And you're like, I want them. And I was like, it's these salamander bastards. So speaking of pulling from canon, both current canon and legends, Fabian asks, uh, I have to wonder, are we going to see any cameos from canon Star Wars characters, or is it just going to be original characters? Trick question, because we've had several canon characters, depending on your definition of canon, show up. Yes. The biggest one, I would say, is we had, I'm just going to say his name, (gasps) we had Admiral Thrawn. Yes, we did. That Pantorian, um, he was Admiral Thrawn. He was, it actually ties in with uh, the book that was re- uh, currently released. Uh, he was in the book. I'm not going to give up too much, but Admiral Thrawn is trying to figure out where all this ore is going. The Dorium that the Dorium. was being mined on that asteroid. Yep. And when I figured out, when I started putting stuff together, because Billy was saying, oh, Thrawn is, is trying to piece together things, and... I started looking up this ore. I was like, oh my gosh, this goes back to that system where I had you meet Nienna. Exactly. No, no, absolutely. So Thrawn was in it briefly, but so is Tremaine. Tremaine's not actually a creation and Brandle, Inquisitor Brandle. Those are both old Inquisitors from the Legends, a.k.a. the best extended universe I mean, Tremaine's stats are even in that Darksider source book. That, that we pulled a lot from. Yes, yes. Brandle is a little bit more of a not as known. It's a, he was more of a, a comic, I think, person or short stories in the back of the Star Wars magazine But person. he has a Wikipedia entry, so that's good enough and for it's a, And it's a good Wikipedia Yeah, entry. he's got a really interesting backstory. Definitely recommend anybody go to Wikipedia and look up Brandle, B-R-A-N-D-L-E. Really interesting backstory, which if you read that, you might be able to take some guesses about what the Ninth Sister's power set really is. Yes. So the Ninth, Because we yeah. discovered in Coruscant that the Ninth Sister isn't built for fighting. Yeah, she's useless. Things the GM should figure out before sending an NPC on a dungeon delve. Yeah, she was, she was practically useless. Um, but I think those were the only... Yeah, those were the only yeah, big ones. Yeah, we were... I was playing around for a little bit, either having Thrawn have a much larger role, or potentially even Vader showing up. I kind of wanted to meet Vader. I don't think I want to meet Vader now. <laughs> There's always season two. Oh, I'd, but I'd be dead. He's <laughs> just kill me. Yeah. Oh, it's Vader. Dun, dun. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Yeah, so this uh, this season has been set, as we said, three years before A New Hope. Four. Four years. I feel like the number changes. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's four like or three. And so that means actually that there's a lot of the really familiar characters from the films that kind of aren't open to us. Luke Skywalker is an even whinier farm boy on tattooing because he's like 12. Princess Leia is probably getting her space PhD right now because, as we all should know by now, Princess Leia is not just an accomplished diplomat and spy by 19. She already has her PhD. I'll buy it. So at this point, she is probably studying intergalactic policy somewhere. And casting doesn't strike me as the type that's into higher education. Yeah. 
Uh, Han Solo is a possibility. He could run into I've, Han briefly. I've looked into what Han is doing at this point. Or Calrissian. That would be a good one. I, I definitely... I was You almost ran into Calrissian. Oh. Um, but I decided not to because I want to find out what's going to happen with this young Han Solo movie. And there's a really interesting book coming out because Star Wars is putting out... Star Wars and Disney are putting out really interesting novels now. Uh, but there is a novel that is going to be set on a gambling planet. It's like Monte Carlo for Star Wars. And I really want to find out what's going on there because I think that could have interesting ties right. back to somebody like Lando. And we could also grab like some of the b bounty hunters like Boba Fett. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of the big ones, especially since Castian is probably one of the only Inquisitors that would that ever ran. I mean... Oh, wait, I just remembered another cameo that we had. What? This character, we never saw them, but we mentioned them. The rebel that you were looking for before you were called off to the to the mine. That was a reference to Ahsoka from Rebels. Uh, Fulcrum? Fulcrum, yes. Yes, Fulcrum. Yes, no, I, yeah, that was another one that... Uh, Angela was really good about, like, hey, this is a really cool callback, and you kind of incorporate that. So she was really good about that. I think there's also a question that we had a good lead into. It was, why did you choose an Inquisitor over... Yes, uh, Captain Redram, super fan from Twitter, is asking, is there a reason why you chose to play... An Inquisitor, do you think the solo shot would have worked if you were playing a Jedi assisting the Rebels or trying to thwart the Empire's plans? Oh, okay, here's my opinion. I don't like the stories involving Jedis helping the Rebels because I think that's such a huge part of what appeals to Luke Skywalker. He is the only Jedi, really, to help the Rebels. I know in the extended universe legends, they kind of had some people on the sidelines, but I, I, I just never was a big fan of it. Um, and, I, and it would have been okay because... Uh, because this would be before Luke Skywalker, but I would have probably insisted that I die before Luke Skywalker because mm -hmm. I just I feel that Luke's Luke's it just takes away too much from Luke Skywalker being this big deal. What I but the Empire had Inquisitors mm -hmm. and th it made sense for there to be a dark there they made sense to be a Force user there and I thought that was a very interesting story and it makes sense for a a, a Force user to want to escape from there. Um, I don't think from I'm what I'm my character might run into some of the rebels and maybe help mm -hmm. them, but he'll never join the rebels mm -hmm. cause just because I I just don't think that's a good story to tell because again, Luke Skywalker is established as being kind of the only Jedi. And I've left it open for season two to go in a lot of different ways because of course the Empire, Tremaine and all of them were accusing Mudonin of assisting the rebels. Right. Via Kida and Nienna. Is that true? Who knows? Probably a force. And they also probably worked with that force using Wookiee. <laughs> yes, the force using Wookiee. Uh, so I, I think that there's a lot of different opportunities there for exploration to maybe bring you in more contact with the rebels. But whether you end up actually allied with them, we'll see. I also say from my perspective, I believe that I am very much on record stating that villains are always way more interesting to me than the heroes puts Castian in an interesting position because by the definition of storytelling, Castian is the hero of this story, but he's not a great person. So Darth Vader was totally my favorite Star Wars mm -hmm. character for a long, long time. So uh, this is just, as soon as Billy said that he wanted to play an Inquisitor, I was like, all right, yep, I will learn this this wackadoo system Which that is, is actually, Fantasy Flight yeah. Games is Star Wars that I now love. It is so cool. But it was a it was, there was a learning curve. And so I was really excited to turn it on its head. And I really appreciated that the Force and Destiny book does explicitly give rules for how to play a dark side character. They recognize that this balance in the Force is what makes the Force interesting. Just being a 100% light side person, that's not interesting. So there's a lot of mechanics there for this interplay of light and dark, giving into your hate to draw on the dark side. And then of course, there's the full on rules where it's like, yeah, if you drop below 30 morality, all of a sudden you are full on dark side or some of the rules switch, like what points you're able to use without taking more conflict. And so I really applaud Fantasy Flight Games for recognizing that not everybody wants to be a Jedi. Yeah, I like I said, I think Fantasy Flight did a fantastic job with the system, though I do think they, they're very expensive. They are very expensive. They have this a lot of books. This game system is going to bankrupt me. Yeah, so thank you for the Patreon because it really helped. <laughs> Last question is also from Captain Redram. 
How do you think Castian would react if he learned the whole truth of Order 66? He learned a lot. He, I think deep down inside, he understands that Order 66, um, there's more to meets that meets the eye after, especially after finding that recording from that youngling toy. Um, but I don't know if he'd ever figure out what really happened. But if he did, I think, I I think at this point, Castia would throw that into the big pile of shit that they, he needs to figure out in his lifetime. But there's so much other stuff that he has to deal with, especially now that he's no longer working for the Empire. If he had been working for the Empire and he found out the truth, that would be a big deal for him. But now that he's no longer working for the Empire, he kind of just... Dis- He's not. He wouldn't be surprised, um, but it would it would probably push him towards the dark side a little bit more, or maybe push him away from it. I, I don't know. It's such a it's such a weird concept that I'd probably have to think it, mull it over because right now Castian is just running for his life, mm-hmm. scared as can be, and for the first time ever, oddly free. So Billy and I have not discussed too much about season two yet. Billy, what do you hope happens in season two? Are there any players you would like to meet, either from canon or maybe pulled from some of Castian's backstory, uh, totally made up people that you would like to meet? What do you think could happen to Castian in season two? Um, Castian's hands hurting. I'd really want to know what's up with that. I can promise that will definitely come up. I did not forget about that plot uh, plot hook. I definitely run him back into Kita. Yes. Hopefully, because I got. I, I don't know if my character would want to finish what he started, but part of me thinks it has to happen. Um, I would say I for Castian, I think there's a few more people I want to run into in season, in episode four, I think, or session four in Coruscant when the ninth sister was falling. My character had, I think, I didn't cut this out. He had a kind of a a flashback, a mini flashback of seeing a little boy falling down a dark hole and that's why he went back for her there is a story about that mm-hmm. he did have to he did have someone very close to him in the mines that he had that really kind of affected him and i might i might want to explore that like i said castian i i really want to show i want the i wanted the people to understand why he would jump so desperately to the to the lifeline that Empire gave him, and not just jump for it just for his own benefit to believe in something, and that's why I kind of gave him such a sad, sad backstory. Well, that is it for season one of the Fandible Solo Shot. Thank you to all of you who have been listening, commenting, sharing links on social media. It has been really gratifying because this is unlike anything that any of us at Fandible have really done before. So this has been an experiment. I hope you think it's been a successful one. Now that you've heard the entire season at this point, let us know what you've thought of the story as a whole in the comments. If you have any questions about season two or about this season and uh, what has happened to this season, what is to come in season two, leave them in the comments here on Fandible and we'll be back soon with season two. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fandible Solo Shot, Star Wars, Force and Destiny. Please follow Fandible on Twitter and Facebook and share this episode on social media. You can also leave a review for Fandible on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice to help others find us and enjoy games like this one. You can also be found on Patreon if you wish to make a monthly donation that helps us keep our equipment up to date and travel to gaming conventions to meet listeners like you. But most importantly, always remember, may the Force be with you.